0: everyone, we hope you missed us. So today we have with us Vanchika Mitani and Manushresh Rao from the Public Speaking and Debate Society of HR College. Hi Vanchika, hi Manu, how are y'all?
1: Hi, hi. hi Thank hi. you for having us. Thank you for having us here.
0: Yeah. Uh, so why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, but we want to change it up a little bit. So instead of introducing yourself you have to introduce one another. So Manu, you can introduce Manchika
2: and Manchika, you can introduce Manu. So I've always known Manushresh to be someone who is a highly skilled individual and I think needless to say, a great orator. He is um, supremely... Uh, gifted in terms of even uh, the kind of, you know, managerial skills he possesses. And yeah, I think uh, having to work as a unit, one thing I've observed is very, very um, understanding, cooperative, and trustworthy.
1: Thank you for (laughs) the compliments, Vanchika. We should do interviews like this more often. So I think not even going to lie, Vanchika is probably one of the most motivated and hardworking people I've met in my life. Her passion is infectious. I mean, you know, even if you're not feeling too motivated or if you're feeling a little bit down about doing an event or a project or something, one call with Vanshika and she'll turn even the laziest sloth into like a workhorse. I mean, she has the power to inspire people like no other. And I think she's probably the only person I've met in my life where you can show up at her house at like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. with a mic and you can tell her, okay, now you have to host an event or you have to take part in a debate. And she will get up in her pajamas, go, and she will come back with a trophy. So that's just the kind of course
0: in Wanshika is. I think Wanshika, you'd be a great host for Radio Gaga from what Manu talked about you. Also, I think all of us need a Wanshika in our lives that can help us get off our lazy butts and make us do something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Manu, we know that you studied ISC at Bombay Scottish and you weren't in HR for the 11th and the 12th grade. So what was the transition like from such a rigorous curriculum to such a, I wouldn't say chilled out, but a more non rigorous curriculum to HR?
1: Bombay Scottish already has a reputation for being uh, very rigorous and like everyone kind of, the reputation of the school precedes itself. So I would say that HR is uh, a lot more free in terms of how much liberty they give students. I mean, of course in Scottish also students arrange the events and do everything. But there are teachers involved in every step of the way and it's like a huge hierarchy that you have to follow. Whereas in HR, I'd say it's a lot more liberal. You get to take a lot more of the decisions yourself. Yeah, I think that was the biggest change going from an extremely structured kind of a school, you know, going to school, wearing uniform every day to now having to worry about, okay, which t-shirt do I wear with big jeans? How is this going to look in the train? Is there enough hair gel or whatever? So I think those were the, the biggest kind of transitions. Other than that, I mean, You know, academically and everything, HR is still one of the best colleges, so that standard is maintained and uh, yeah, those were pretty much the only things. One of the best parts is that uh, even when I was taking my final admission letter from HR, that day coincided with my uh, high school prize day. So I actually came to take my admission letter in college in my full school uniform. So I had a bunch of people staring at me, wondering why I'm wearing a light blue shirt and light blue full pants (laughs) dressed up like some sort of a Waldo character and then I had to explain to everyone that no, I don't wear clothes like this every day. This is just my school uniform and I have to go and collect a prize in like 20 minutes.
3: I completely
0: agree with Manu being from the same school that he's from. I completely agree to everything that he said. Vanchika, we know that you've got to speak at the United Nations, which is not a small feat at all. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your experience?
2: Uh, thank you so much. First up, and yes, I got the opportunity to speak at the United Nations headquarters uh, when I was 15 years old, and it was a three-day championship conference. Now, one of the experiences that will stay with me for a lifetime, because it embodied the word "surreal." would be the time that uh, we got to hoist the Indian flag on the United Nations Terrace on 15th of August, overlooking the entire new york skyline early in the morning so there were people from across nations uh, different nationalities having only one thing in common they all were standing and saluting the indian flag singing our national anthem so i think even merely talking about that moment gives me goosebumps and it was so good to see the kind of spirit that they shared everyone delegations from across countries they all was uh, saluting our national flag and yes a little bit about my time at the United Nations, I was um, speaking about uh, gender-based violence and uh, its rising impact on fundamentalism.
0: So Being able to hoist the flag in front of so many people in front of so many delegations of different countries is something not everyone can boast or proudly speak of. and I think that's one of the greatest things that anyone can ever do in their entire life, no matter how old they are. So I'm really jealous of you in that sense that you've got to do something so surreal.
3: This is the first I've been hearing of this like event and I swear I got goosebumps myself and I wasn't even there I can't even imagine what you <laughs> went through. Thank you and they had all the other flags
2: um, that they'd rolled down and we had the Indian national flag waving high on 15th August. So they gave us a lot of respect. That's something that we should hand over to them and they had the Empire State Building light up in the tricolor. So it was one really really
3: uh, eventful day then. Now she's just giving me FOMO.
0: i would have given anything to be there on that
3: day honestly it's
0: like something that you can only imagine you can be there for those are all the questions from my side and we'll be back after a short break with Jesse.
1: I just want to be someone I just want to be someone Dive and disappear Without a trace I just want to be someone Well doesn't everyone And if you feel The great dividing I want to be The one you're guiding Cause I believe Oh, I wanna be somebody to someone. Oh, I never had nobody and no road home. I wanna be somebody to someone. And if the sun starts setting, the sky goes cloudy, in the clouds get.
0: like that song and if you have any requests for songs in the future please dm us on our instagram page since both of you guys are presidents of the debating club what happens when there's a disagreement between the two of you how do you resolve it
2: i think one of the reasons we've been able to get through the kind of year it's been for us is because we both function as one unit and i think what debating has taught us is Primarily listening to the other person's opinion and then trying to form and come to mid-ground, right? So uh, with Manu and me, the main thing is we're then one single entity and putting forth a united front so whenever we have any kind of you know points of differences we discuss it amongst ourselves we make sure we don't end the call till we found something that makes both of us happy and i think that oh we owe that to debating and public speaking because we've been taught to listen and not only hear
1: so i completely agree with manshika when she says that you know we've been friends i would say even best friends now for like two years And we have taken part in so many debate competitions together. Like there was a point where we had like a proper strategy, you know, she'll start and I'll end and this is how we'll argue. So we know each other pretty well and we're pretty in sync with each other when it comes. But obviously like sometimes there are differences and disagreements sometimes. But I think because like Manchika said, because we're debaters, you know, when we get on call, it's not like a normal call. We have our points written down. We have our rebuttals written. We have our reasons for why this should happen and this shouldn't happen. And so, yeah, sometimes the call can get a little long, but it's never uh, a call which comes from a place of, uh, no, I need to prove my reason or no, I need to be the right one. It's always a place of, okay, let's come to a mutual agreement because at the end of the day, we just want to push the club forward.
0: And we know that like there are problems with every club within the management and all. There are going to be disagreements. But it's the way all come together and do it and present it forward in front of an unknown audience. I think, Ayana, uh, Jezreel, for the next meeting that we have, you can put down our points and our remarks and be prepared. Public speaking doesn't come very easily to most people because they have like certain stage frights and stuff. So how do you guys think that one can get better at it?
2: I think one of the primary things to remember here is, like you said, it doesn't come easy to anyone. So nervousness is very normal and that uh, one shouldn't let that deter them. Because trust me, when I say even the most gifted speakers I've seen or, you know, us uh, personally, we have the same backstage kind of uh, anxiety and the same kind of situation going on. It's just that our onstage performance, it transitions lesser and lesser and it gets better and better with time. And that the only thing that can help someone overcome their fear of performing is performing. That is one thing that, you know, nervousness is normal. Don't let that stop you. Just go for it. And I think to get better at public speaking, the only thing that uh, I can add and shed some light on is make sure you're you know, really you've rehearsed your stance really well. You're always incorporating humor and good vocabulary. You're, uh, you transition your nervousness into excitement and make sure there are no filler words. I think a lot of us use uhs and ums. So, uh, you know, removing our filler words is something that really, really then will prove beneficial. And then, yes, well begun is half done. So make an impactful start, have a dynamic end, and you're good to go.
1: So I completely agree with everything Vanchika said, you know, I don't think that there's ever going to be a point in anyone's lives, even everyone sitting here today, where we're going to be like, where we're going to have 0% fear or nervousness when we speak, right? That's there in everyone. And like Vanchika said, I too, I've seen people who are so well-versed with public speaking, lawyers, businessmen, politicians, and even before they go up to speak or before they go up to address a gathering, even they have a little bit of fear and some jitters, right? And, I I think that a little bit of fear and a little bit of nervousness at the back of your head is a good thing. Because at times, it really does push you and drive you to make your speech even better. I'd like to end with a thing that me and Vanshita have been saying to our club members this entire year. And that is just participate. It doesn't matter which debate competition. It doesn't matter which level. Just participate. It doesn't matter if you go up there and bomb. Two days later, Three days later, nobody is going to remember you or your speech or your performance, whether you win or whether you lose. You're not that important. Nobody is that important. Just go and speak. That's what matters. Get your argument in and that's the only way you will become better at public speaking.
0: Manu, I think it's a Scottish thing. A little bit of nervousness is good because then you don't become overconfident. But then also you shouldn't be too nervous that you're like, get so many jitters on stage that you just can't perform. I love how this turned into a motivational conversation. It was (laughs) amazing. I'm so motivated. I want to go on a stage and just argue. (laughs) Just argue for the hell of it. We would love to know of an experience when you have gotten the jitters before speaking or before public debating.
2: I started my journey with public speaking and debating when I was in the fifth standard and uh, I was always known as that one girl in school who before going on stage would be running a high temperature. It was a known thing. I would have Very high fever before going on stage, I would have no other symptoms of nervousness or anxiety. I, you know, people really have it bad, then I think some people throw up, but uh, touchwood, I never had something like that. But I used to run high temperatures, and I think that's something that is constant even when I'm in my degree college now, right from fifth standard, because it is, uh, like I've said before, you know, if the backstage uh, scenario doesn't change by just going up and participating more, you are kind performance on stage gets better. I don't
1: think I can tell you how much I agree with Manchika on the fever thing. I think I'm running a fever right now too. And coming to jitters, like Manchika said, I've been doing this for some time now. And I remember one of the earliest memories of having jitters in public was I think Jezreel will be able to relate to this a little. Because in school we used to have these school assemblies and Each day, every class, every division would go up and they would have to speak in front of the entire school. I was chosen one time to speak. I was standing in front of like 3,000 students. That has to be one of the most nerve-wracking things my entire life. My legs were shivering and I was about to like break into a panic attack. And the best part is for people who think that I don't do that anymore, this practically the same thing happened to me when I attended my first debate in HR College. I am so glad that there's a podium most of the times when I speak because if you saw me behind the podium, you would think I'm a complete nervous wreck. So I think… It never goes away. Believe me, everyone faces it, no matter who you are.
0: I'm so sorry. But I agree with you. Like, I I know the assembly thing that you're talking about. And even when you're like reading from your diary and it's preset and you know what you're going to say, you still have this jitter. So you can only imagine when you have to buy hearted and speak in front of like 200, 300 people is what's going to happen. So, yeah. But I think that's what makes you such a good speaker. And that's what invokes that confidence in
2: you.
3: The only thing I have to say is, I think Jazdin and uh, Manu need to do a podcast on uh, Bombay Scottish alone because <laughs> they've just yes. that. <laughs>
0: That's all from my side. Now over to Kayana. Oh.
3: cover by HR's very own Vivan Roshan of the classic Adat, originally sung by Atif Aslam.
2: Hello everyone, I'm Vanshika and I hope you all enjoyed that. We're looking forward to having you all on board. Why don't you tell us more about Off the Cuff? This is something very, very close to both our hearts. Off the Cuff this year has premiered as HR College's first national level event series. So, Off the Cuff earlier used to be a flagship fest by the Public Speaking and Debating Society that used to take place over three days. But, uh, like you know, in a fest, when you have a three-day fest, the entire committee is then fully packed and has the hands full with organizing it. And we decided, why not come up with a framework this year that enables our own students, the ones who enrolled into the Public Speaking and Debating Society, because obviously they are the ones who are the most passionate about then the nuances and the auxiliaries of public speaking. So why not give them a chance to participate as well? Why should we be the ones depriving them of that? So what we did is, instead of having a three-day fest, we had a four-month extravaganza with five national-level events. So we had five national events and we were lucky enough to get some international participation in that too, where it was open to students of uh, all colleges as well as PSBS and HR College to then participate. So it was an event series that we premiered this year under the name of Offtika.
1: You know, we've had multiple conversations with a lot of people regarding how to take a concept of a fest and really break it up into this four-month-long extravaganza, like Manchika said. It's a little difficult because it takes more time to prepare, but it's also a lot more rewarding because you get high participation numbers, you get a lot of interest for each event. Because it happens with an interval in between. So if people don't feel too burned out in the middle. And I think the best thing that we can see apart from the participation and apart from the outside response. Is how much our very own club members. Like our very own first years and everyone involved. You know, right from the core committee, event heads, subheads, organizing committees. There are so many people involved in each event. And so many people giving their all to each event. I think that's something that's really special to see. You know, so many people coming together to make an event successful. And everyone is as enthusiastic as they were at the beginning of month one all the way through the end of month four. So I think that's something that's been really exciting.
3: Wow, four months, I can't even begin to wrap my head around how y'all got all that done. That's crazy. We lose it with like a three-day fest and four months is another ball game. How was the 2021 off-the-cuff different from the previous years?
2: I think a lot of us here perceive this year to be an exceptionally difficult one, and rightly so. But when it comes to PSVS, what Manushresh and I and the entire core committee can agree upon is that this year has brought along with it a myriad of pros that outweigh its cons. In terms of, one, because it's all virtual and online, we got the opportunity to take it national. And then, uh, as Manu will tell you, not only national, we also traversed the boundaries of our nation and welcomed international participation from Dubai and Kyrgyzstan and, uh, you know, remote places of Bishkek. And that's something that really, really made us happy and uh, made us feel like everything in the end is worth it. So this year, this edition of Off the Cuff has been different in terms of then welcoming participation from IIMs and IITs and, uh, you know, really reputed colleges who then took part and won our hr college extravaganza and also we didn't have to worry about the logistics of it which uh national going national wouldn't be possible if it was offline and we're very grateful for the kind of year that it's been and the opportunities that it has showered us with
1: so in a nutshell the fact that this year off the cuff was not a three-day event it was a four-month uh, extravaganza the fact that we are not having a fest sitting in college auditoriums or in college classes. We're all sitting at home. We have our uh, maids and our moms walking behind us in the background while we're debating or while we're trying to do events uh, is something that we had to cope with. But, you know, I think that this year, like Machika again said, has been such a huge opportunity for us, where we've been really able to expand the purview of off-the-cuff Uh, Going national was a huge deal. We all know the kind of challenges that exist. We all have arranged fests, you know, trying to find transportation for people, trying to find accommodation. If you're even trying to go from one city to another within your own state, those are some things which don't happen in an online fest. You know, this year we've got participants all the way from Delhi to Chennai, Bangalore, the Northeast, of course, different cities of Maharashtra. And like we said, internationally, who would have thought that someone sitting in Kyrgyzstan in Kuwait, in the United States would show up for an HR college competition and do so well. We had a really good collaboration with Snapchat India this year. And I think that's really cool because you rarely hear of uh, big companies coming to college clubs, especially Mumbai. So the fact that they're actually taking an interest uh, in coming to now Mumbai colleges, coming to commerce colleges in Mumbai, and the fact that we got to be a part of that uh, was very special. So I think those were a couple of key differences between of the tough last year and this year.
3: Having an offline event of that stature would have been a logistical nightmare.
0: Having Snapchat India come to HR college is a really big deal,
3: guys. How did you all manage to get Snapchat India to reach out to you? This is interesting because we had our... Stand up comedy competition for which we
2: released an Instagram filter, which we didn't outsource. So we did it completely ourselves. And looking at that, we were lucky enough to have the Snapchat India collaborations head then reach out to us personally, uh, saying that they would like to then work on HR College's first national level event series, Snapchat Lens. And
3: that's something we're very grateful for. I think that's in CX. Snapchat is a world renowned app and crazy.
1: Okay, so
3: (laughs) what do you think has more importance actually knowing your matter Of looking it on the spot, but with confidence?
2: To answer the question, I think actually knowing your matter takes precedence because we all know the quote that goes 70% of your performance is your confidence and then 30% content. As important as it is for one to be confident, it is of equal uh, eminence that they know completely about the matter that they are going to be putting forth because people can see through and they'd be able to tell if you're only going to talk with limited matter and beating around the bush.
1: Yes, you do need to know your matter, but I think it's more of a 50-50, right? You know, you can't feign confidence unless you know your matter. And I think the best way to kind of make people understand it would be in a real life example. I'm sorry to bring Scottish into it, but Jezrin would be able to relate. You know, when you have drama questions and you need to answer them and they're like six marks, five marks, and you know only what two marks, there is an art to extending the question and an art to kind of making sure that you write extra in order to get those extra marks. But you won't be able to do that unless you know the initial answer. So you won't be able to go up and give the most wonderful speech of your life unless you have something to say, unless you know what you're going to say, right? So I think that both of them are pretty much 50-50 and you you just can't go out there and expect to give a good speech unless you know what you're saying.
0: I just want to say that it's not a scottish I thing to write a little bit of rubbish in your paper. It's an you know, H.I. You can,
3: thing too. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, even I think uh, knowing your matter and fluking it is complimentary but uh, to be very honest, I fluke a little bit more than I actually know if people know me. Now, we have a little bit of an exciting segment which is who's more likely to. So, we'll be asking you questions and you just have to say whether Wanchika is more likely to or Manu is more likely to and we'll just see if you all agree or not. Okay? Who's more likely to be the Grammar Nazi?
1: vanchika Me, probably.
0: Who's more likely to interrupt someone while they're talking?
1: Most probably None of us. Uh,
0: Who's more likely to go on talking for hours at a stretch?
1: I'd say one
3: shikara. Both of us, probably me. (laughs) Who's more likely to doze off while
1: someone is talking? Ideally, none of us, but if it had to be one of us, then it could be me.
3: None of us, maybe. Who's more likely to sweet talk their way out of something?
1: Probably me, I feel.
2: I think both of us in correct
3: measure
0: Manjika, you are being very diplomatic You have to choose
3: Uh, one Yeah, you are from a debate society What is this behaviour? (laughs) Who is more likely to get irritated when someone talks really fast or really slowly?
1: For this one, I have to say both of us Yeah, both of us
0: Who is most likely to forget something important?
1: Definitely me
2: (laughs) Manu maybe
0: (laughs) Who is most likely to not meet a deadline?
1: No, I think both of us are pretty good with meeting deadlines
0: I think both of us, like you said. Who's most likely to be melodramatic?
1: I don't want to sound too diplomatic, but I think both of us.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's most likely to speak with their mouth full?
1: None of us, man. We're really good at <laughs> debating by now. None of us.
0: <laughs> good job. Good job. That was the one thing that we wanted both of you to say none of us had. Good job. <laughs> Thank you, Manu and Vanshika. I'm really motivated now to go and just speak somewhere. Honestly,
2: I'm not even lying. I'm just going to go
3: and speak somewhere right now. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think we had a very like cute and fun session. I actually enjoyed a lot.
2: Thank you for having us. Like I said, this just ticked off my bucket list now. I was really, really looking forward to this and you all made sure it's a the best experience we could ask for.
1: Honestly, I didn't know what to expect, but this has been so much fun. Like, we could sit here talking for hours more, but thank, yeah, it's, it's been an amazing experience, guys. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you, Manwan, and Vanshika for being here. We really enjoyed having you on this podcast. Uh, and everyone, thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode.